0: The right response to this beautiful thing, this wild thing, this dangerous thing called nature creation is doxology, is poetry. Uh, you celebrate it. Um, analysis might come later, but that itself should lead to some kind
1: of doxology. I'm Nathan Foster, and welcome to Life with God, a Renovari podcast a place for unhurried and thoughtful conversations about interactive life with God. We continue in our new series around practices that help in times of challenge, gifts that sustain. And today we're exploring nature, God's mysterious and wonderfully creative gift and the ways in which he uses it to guide, center, and even heal. Today's conversation is with a thoughtful, humble, and earthy man, Mark Buchanan. One of the great gifts for me in doing this podcast is the friends I get to meet along the way. Back in episode 240, I interviewed Mark on his book, God Walk Moving at the Speed of Your Soul. In that conversation, Mark revealed a little about his love of nature and I knew he'd be the right person to help us explore this topic a little further. When Mark and his wife are not wandering the woods, he works as a writer, speaker, pastor, and associate professor of theology at Ambrose University. I spoke with Mark from his home east of Banff in Alberta, Canada. Mark, I'm... Curious, what in your life has enabled you to live into gentleness?
0: You know, I classically, you know, it's been described as a type A personality on the enneagram. I'm an eight. And so there's been a forcefulness in me from a very early age. I can I recall back to my childhood kind of being this force of nature. And yet, increasingly, I I saw the damage that was doing, especially in my relationships. There's lots of other things. I I break stuff easily. (laughs) Um, I'm hard on things. I'm hard on vehicles. I'm hard hard on my clothing, for crying out loud. And I'm going to write a a blog soon, I think, about uh, somebody asked me recently uh, you know, how, if you've written all these books and whatnot, do you stay humble? And I actually thought, the question is, how does anybody stay arrogant? <laughs> like, and there's a built-in humility program to life. <laughs> and so, I think how I've sort of um, become more gentle is is kind of a, my body setting its limits, my beautiful a wife who is one of the gentlest people I know and has shown me the way of gentleness and has also, I've just seen sometimes the hurt I've caused her through my my not being gentle. And I think just the long accumulation, the, the cumulative effect of kind of seeing, um, it's metanoia, you know, repentance, changing my mind, just seeing this is, Rarely got me anywhere. Maybe once in a while, it's been a needed thing, but very rarely. And so really choosing, uh, I just love that one of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Uh, Choosing that uh, uh, attentiveness of walking in the Spirit is actually, that's going to be one of the things that, that rises up out of it. It's not even something like I have to say i'm going to go for gentleness it more i have to live with this attentiveness to the presence of god but my wife has been amazing honestly an amazingly gentle person and uh i've learned a lot just watching that and watching the the effect of that or the benefit of that in in relationships with people
1: with our children with our neighbors etc that's good it's interesting cuz as you say type a a force um I'm, I, it took me aback a little I, I mean I don't I don't know you well but that's certainly not the you I've encountered <laughs> so well done mm. <laughs> well done
0: yeah, thank you that's um that's very I'm very moved to hear that thank you
1: what have you learned from nature about god mm-hmm.
0: you know Nate I think first of all the Bible testifies to how many of the people that we think of as not necessarily role models, because some, sometimes they were, they were a bit disastrous, but people that lived by faith in the end. So a Jacob or a David or a Moses, etc. Their formation was in nature. It was in the wild. It was in a wilderness kind of formation. Quite long ago, uh, as as, um, very early, my dad began to take me when I was again going back to very distant childhood memories into the wilderness. And we would uh, we we never had a camper; we just had a or a, a trailer. We just had a tent. And so, some of my earliest memories are being in nature and dealing with the realities of it: the rain, the wind, the wolves. One of my earliest memories is listening to wolves in um, the Rocky Mountains, kind of area. And so I began to associate wilderness or, or nature with wildness and wildness with God. Hmm. That, you know, so Aslan thing, he's not safe, but good. There's a wildness there. A uh, few weeks ago my wife and I were walking, we lived near the Rocky Mountains, in fact very close it was in the Canadascas area, and we were walking and a huge black bear just came storming out of the the woods about 40 feet from us and we both stopped and he looked at us and we looked at him. and. It was glorious, it was terrifying and glorious. And uh, he hurried along. He was just, I think we were frightened of us and we were him if that's possible. But there's a sense, sense that uh, coming face to face with something that was, I, I honestly, that I felt so much like I had had a God encounter and I'm not trying to be weird, but there's a sense where This glorious, dangerous creature that God has made reflected to me, sort of gave me a sense of God's beauty and dangerousness in ways that I, um, you know, I don't often encounter in in other contexts. So I wonder if I have been so citified, you know, so, so long in the city, basically long in urban settings, that I... I think that notion of God as the one with whom we have to do this dangerous God, this good but wild God is something that's, that I can easily forget. And when I get back into nature, it it all wakes up again.
1: <laughs> that's good. I actually had two bear encounters this, this summer as well and and found them quite helpful. It's interesting to me because there's a... I think dichotomy of sorts in nature that there's a, a, a gentleness and mm. quiet beauty, but but then a wildness yeah. and you know I, I sort of I love being in storms and just yes. this, it's frightening and and it's just interesting these different facets I guess of God too then right
0: I I think so again not to just clarify not in any pantheistic way to equate that with God of course. But God is the maker of these things God is the sustainer of these things I, I really do go out to into creation partly to because it's it's very restorative for my my heart and soul but also it's the it right size of things for me
1: mm-hmm. say more
0: yeah I, 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 I you just stand up like I'm five foot. 5 I'm short, but even if I was six foot eight, a moderately sized tree dwarfs me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really notice that when I'm in a car. There's a sense where I I stand beside nature and I'm right sized. I get things almost at their true scale. Uh, I walk a lot. Uh, Last time you and I spoke, it was about a book I wrote on walking and I love to walk. But, you know, a, a mile is experienced very differently on foot from it is in a car, or especially in even something faster like a plane. There's something about that that's true to, I want to almost say like that true scale of things, that the way God made things was to be experienced in our flesh at the height we stand, you know, on our feet at the pace we can go on our feet. And to get a, a, a regular reminder of that, I think that actually is necessary to our humanity. I, I think there's no there's no possibility of holding on to hubris of thinking. I mean, just, I, I think, you know, I want a couple of chainsaws because I've got some land in another part of Canada that uh, I need it. I actually need it. I, I'm I I have to take dead things, trees down before they fall on things and all of that. But even the effort with a chainsaw to take down a tree is significant. And so the reality of that, and I can go into home Depot and buy dimension lumber, just the fact that I've had to actually take down a tree With a power tool, but it took some effort and it took some knowledge, has built in a kind of humility of what it it takes to get that 2 by Mm 4 you know, in that big stack. And I know a little bit where that comes from. And there's something about that, that right size of things, right scale thing. I'm less arrogant when I take that piece of wood in hand. Mm And think what it took, what it costs, what kind of damage actually was done the creation that's going to take a long time to repair.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting on a, with wood sometimes to think how many how many years, you know, I got a two by four, but it took years. How many
0: years uh, for that cedar or spruce or hemlock? We're talking, uh, you know, to grow it to the point where you can harvest it a minimum 50, 60 years. And all-growth stuff, which unfortunately they still take down is hundreds of years, five hundred, six hundred years old. And you whack that thing down and start cutting and start um, milling that. I mean, I, I think we just we we owe creation and the creator our, our own kind of gratitude and humility to just pause. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with every piece of wood that we take off the lumber pile, just to say, God, God, thank you, and thank you for this beautiful creation that produces. I will not. I'm not going to waste. I'm not going to. I'm not going to use this in some kind of hubristic or arrogant way, et cetera. So I'm saying, Nate. It just to me, the more I'm connected with nature, the more I actually live into. The, the deep practices of, of gratitude, of humility, of um, not thinking too highly of myself. These are all, of course, you know, things that were encouraged by the scriptures that we love to do, but it's not just a, a mental exercise. If I've been in nature in some way at all, even the food I eat and I realize, what it took to get that to my plate—that—that—that that, that is a deeply, deeply humbling and um, thank-thanks-producing
1: moment of reflection. Oh, that's helpful. I, I like that phrase of right-sized things. It's a little earlier when I mentioned being in a storm and how I like it, it's partly that. It, it's. I'm I'm really yeah. small here, and uh, that's good. And this could kill you. <laughs> yeah, and I I just somehow find this great like um it's it's my it's reality seeing our role in the world and yeah. how uh, yeah humility that's really interesting that when we're engaging with nature and God and nature that it naturally bursts humility yeah. That's
0: good. You know, you, you're. Uh, I'm. I'm right at the edge of um, one of Canada's most glorious national parks, Banff. And um, of course, we got the idea of national parks from from the, the you're, states. You're welcome. And, yeah, you're, <laughs> and, and, and you know, Roosevelt and John Muir and all of that. Yes. And I love John Muir. Uh, I mean, what a what an extraordinary human who had this deep sense of the goodness of. Of God and the goodness of His creation, but also the wildness. So, you know, stories of you like you'd be up in some uh, precarious mountainscape, you know, and a storm would come up, and rather running for cover, he'd climb a tree <laughs> to sort of feel the full force of it, or whatever. It's, yes. it's fantastic, yeah. That, I, I think yes. he's practicing his smallness.
1: Yeah, with a w- there's a sort of celebration and mm-hmm. glory in his in his writing right
0: yeah a person who truly kind of um knows that the the right response to this beautiful thing this wild thing this dangerous thing called nature creation is doxology is poetry Mm -hmm. uh you celebrate it um (laughs) analysis might come later but that itself should lead to some kind of doxology
1: it's in contrast to some of the conquering ways we can approach nature, I don't just mean like, you know, um, reshaping the land, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm going on a hike and there's a time and a pace yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, let's conquer the mountain and, you know, be done with <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, that's the most ridiculous <laughs> phrase that could ever be
0: said. I, I conquered <laughs> Everest or whatever. No, Everest <laughs> permitted you a brief window in which uh, <laughs> she didn't kill you. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I was hiking a couple of years ago in the Rockies and I, I am, I'm heading there tomorrow. I was there a couple days ago. I, I live close and I fully take it to take, take, you know, I, I go there as much as I can for all these reasons we're talking about. But um, I, I was up way up in the, in the, um, uh, we uh, with the guy, we summited uh, not even a big peak it was it was uh you know one of the smaller peaks and this is summertime and a storm blew in and it started to snow, and we were not dressed for that and it was cold and and then cloud coverage came in and thank, thankfully we had the technology and we had um strava on so we could actually retrace our way down because otherwise we were disoriented in the fog and I thought this is the sort of thing that can come up very quickly and it becomes very precarious (laughs) and very dangerous. And it would be hard to locate us if somebody sort of went even looking. And so I conquered nothing (laughs) by going up to that peak. It allowed me this little window and then closed that window and said, I will allow you to gaze upon me, <laughs> <laughs> but I could kill you too. So I just, uh, there's something again, that humility built into nature. We need to live close to that because I think that uh, even just some of the ways we continually abuse, use, forget, neglect, uh, extract from, uh, move on to the next thing to. This is only people who have, have have grown impossibly arrogant could could continue in this way. Hmm. If I sound like I'm channeling Wendell Berry or something, well, so be it.
1: That's a good person to channel. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. Uh, <laughs> I've I've noticed in so this these last four months, I've I've done a lot of walk. I'm a walk or two, if you remember, and every yeah, day every day I do, yeah, every day, sometimes twice, I'll walk, but yeah. one of the things I started doing when I had the time is to go up in the mountains with no agenda, time and distance. So yeah. just just walk and maybe I'll do ten miles, maybe I'll do one. I don't care. you yeah. know, just yeah. to, maybe I'll be here an hour, maybe I'll be here all day, and uh, you know you have to kind of set it up, but it's been really healing. I think is the word I'd use healing.
0: And I haven't used that word yet, but I, I'm glad you have because uh, it's one of the, this, these often on unsought but deeply experienced parts of being in nature. It, it, it by its nature, it heals us. And we know more and more about this uh, indigenous community uh, cultures have often understood with forest bathing or, or cedar bathing uh japanese culture has understood that that there's actually things in nature itself that literally are healing us are um doing things in our body in the in the in the sort of the neurology of the human the physiology and neurology of the human that sets things to right. So not just this right sizing, but the setting to right. And this is, again, the part of the beauty of it is you don't have to go on, you know, with the sort of agenda, I will go get healed today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just go for a walk. (laughs) And especially if you can do that in the trees Mm -hmm. on uneven ground, stuff will start to happen that your body will, May hurt, and I wouldn't mind talking a bit about that, but but your body will say thank you.
1: I noticed two things. One, it's quite reliable. I can kind of count on a reset. The other thing is, I notice I pray and I don't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of spontaneity, yeah. and the next thing I know, I'm having this conversation, and something feels really right about that. Well,
0: I think, uh, you know, again, coming to, to the, especially a lot of the stories in in the Old Testament with David or the Patriarchs or whatever, how much of, or John the Baptist in the New Testament or whatever Paul was doing in Arabia, Jesus in the wilderness, a sense that prayer is the kind of spontaneous language of of the wilderness. That, again, without, I'm going now to pray, (laughs) that somehow the encounter and the conversation with God emerges out of the conditions of this wild place, that Jacob, who's running from God, trying to get away, trying to get away from all the mess he's made and the people who want to kill him, has some of the most extraordinary encounters ever, you know, in the desert, uh, in the wildness. Uh, He dreams a stairway to heaven or the man ambushes him and wrestles him all night. What are these? But But, you know, this deep encounter, this prayerfulness of meeting God and that re-centering your life. But, and Jacob was any of that intended. He was just trying to get away from Esau or Laban or whatever it happened to be. And this became this happy accident that the wilderness gave to him.
1: Mark. Thank you for today. I appreciate this.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for having me on.
1: Again, that was Mark Buchanan. You can find out more about Mark and his writings on his website, markbuchanan.net. That's M A R K B U C H A N A N.net. Mark has written a number of books, including two in his fictional trilogy on King David David Rain, and David Rise. I also mentioned earlier our conversation in episode 240 around his book, God Walk, Moving at the Speed of Your Soul. We'll continue our theme of practices that help in times of challenge next week as we explore the gift of beauty with Sarah Clarkson. I'm Nathan Foster and you've been listening to Life with God, a Renovare podcast. We're grateful to all of you who helped make this work possible you can support Renovare in this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcast webinars, online classes, as well as information on events in our institute on our website at renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. As always, thanks for listening. And until next time, be well, friends. Be well.